0: Hey, everybody, welcome back to the show. Uh, A little change of pace this week, and uh, happy holidays first, right? I'm sitting here on December 23rd. It snuck up on me, and I want to thank my guest, Adam Hunter, which I do in the the interview, because December 23rd, man, I can't believe it, uh, the year's almost over. Next week, I'm going to have a year-end review show, the 2020 Fitzy Awards. I'll explain more about what those are on the show next week, but that's something to look forward to. A little bit of a change of pace next week, solo show to recap what a year it's been. But I say change of pace for Adam Hunter, right? He's a comedian, not a fighter. and uh, But if you are a UFC fan, you probably know who he is, especially if you're on social media. He's got the incredibly popular... Twitter account at MMA roasted um, but he's also a working comedian in his own right and just when you think you know like okay I'm gonna talk to somebody about this and then how they got into comedy and then their life and then what it's like for this uh, you just you just never know man he's got quite a story of man he was a wrestler and then he found comedy and his upbringing that he had and then the the dark underbelly of comedy and just how tough it is to make it in that business. And, uh, he has all these years later, he's a working comedian. He's, he's hustling, man. He's working on shows. He's shooting pilots. Uh, I just have incredible respect for somebody who goes into a field that's really, really tough. And it's like, you probably won't make it. Oh yeah. Watch me. I'm going to make it. Uh, I'm going to do what I love to do. And, um, so props to Adam Hunter. I really appreciate him joining me and uh, being as candid as he is. And also given us, uh, I mean, he made me laugh several times as well, right? He's a comedian. He can't help it. He's a really funny guy. He's a friendly guy. I've had the privilege of uh, meeting him in person a couple of times. And I can't wait to actually go to one of his shows when this crazy world comes back. And we can all feel good about gathering in comedy clubs again. So without further ado, here is the interview with the comedian, uh, Adam Hunter. What's going on? (laughs) Hey, you know, we tried to line this up and I was like, I didn't realize how close it was to Christmas. So thank you, as we sit here on December twenty third, man. I mean, we all got a bunch of stuff to do, and I'm trying to do a little fledgling podcast here.
1: No, no, thank you. I, uh, you know, I I had a live show last week, and my wife said if um, if you go there, you can't see her family for Christmas. So if anybody wants tickets, uh, let me know. No, I'm kidding. Uh, (laughs) No, trust me. This even being on Zoom, like just seeing people that you know, yes, is. Is such a, I mean, you're lucky you get to like work.
0: Right. uh, I know I am. I'm very lucky, but I agree with you. Like, every time I do one of these, I'm just like, that was nice, man. I just like chatted with somebody for an hour.
1: And like, I love, and the thing is, like, when you're with your family all the time, and it's it's the best. I'm with my two year old daughter and my wife, and it's, I'm going to look back and be like, this is one of the best years of my life. Absolutely. If if, if not the best year, because I'd be on the road all the time. But, Sometimes like you don't realize how insane your family is until you talk to somebody, you know, or maybe how insane, I'm sure they would feel the same way because you're like, Oh my God, these are crazy problems. But unless you talk to somebody else who has a wife and a kid, you're like, Oh, my wife does the same exact thing. But, you yes. Know? Right, right, right. So it's like, it's like my wife said, no Christmas presents this year because we're trying to buy a house. Of course you get your Christmas presents. I know. Now I feel like biggest we did the time.
0: same Thing. i was just like okay so no presents right just like no presents yes. and then like yeah. i know and then i got like three or four just in case you know nothing big but just gotta have yeah. something to open but yeah but because i know she did the same thing
1: yeah and then but now i'm mad at her for getting me a present i'm like <laughs> right. i'm like i don't even like sweaters right and and now she's i'm ungrateful but i didn't not that i didn't want the, the sweater i didn't want i just i believed her when she said right. a present yeah. So, yeah but then i talked to my friends like oh everybody's wife says that i'm like oh all. Well. but if you don't talk to people uh via zoom or somehow you yes don't have to, you know miss these clues
0: oh man what a year it's been um i appreciate you doing this i'm gonna plug you at the beginning because i hate when people plug at the end of an hour-long interview like as if everybody made it to the end of the hour uh fight pass you got a comedy special is it out yet i thought it was supposed to be out like a f- last week and now it's
1: yeah, me too. Uh, no, it's actually um, gonna come out I think on Monday or Tuesday. Okay. Uh, originally, the commercial said the 18th, but yeah, then, that's
0: what I thought, right?
1: But then they figured like uh, hold it till like because there's no fights in the last couple weeks. Sure. They can promote it better uh, that way.
0: So it's like the 28th ish, and yeah, end of oh, the yeah. year. So how did that come about? So a comedy special um, on UFC Fight Pass and it's from the apex they they cleared or was the octagon there in the background i couldn't see because no, no, there's only 50 people allowed in the thing
1: yeah and that's 50 people are like and then like so th- like 15 people are, are the people that work there right there's only really like 35 people in the crowd wow you know and, and they're all wearing masks uh, yeah no
0: because i got the notice and it's just like first come first serve for ufc employees i couldn't I couldn't make it that night, but and I, like my wife couldn't have come or whatever. But I was just like, "Well, they're going to be sitting there with mass in the apex. <laughs> You're going to be up on stage doing the thing."
1: I know, and I'm backstage before the show, and they're like, "Okay, so here are the fighters that are that are coming." Mike Perry. Oh, I was like, "Oh God!" Like, like Mike, like the one guy that like. by the way, who was the best audience member there? Like, he was in the front with his pregnant girlfriend. Uh huh. Like, wow, I'm, it's great to see you. I saw you on 16 and Pregnant. <laughs> and, and they were both dying laughing and i'm like oh he's not gonna beat me up he's on parole like right. i just kept zinging him and he, one after he was laughing and he was so humble like he was just a nice guy and then it was uh brendan moreno was there yeah with the whole team from tijuana okay uh, uh and uh they were awesome too and then it was joaquin buckley was there okay uh, and He and he was like falling out of his chair laughing he was also a good dude the guy who's like banned from James Krause's J Yeah,
0: that's so, a that's a heated forward. rivalry, man. How did that yeah. come about, though? Who had the idea for you to do a, a comedy special on Fight Pass?
1: Well, I was like, you know, I, I worked for the UFC for a couple of years. I was doing those videos, uh, those like uh, videos where I would like preview up and coming cards. Uh, that was like a, a while back. So me and Dana, have been working together for a while and then I pitched them like five shows and I asked them about the special and you know, we liked all I mean, he's super cool with like yeah let's do it let's do it and then covid happened and then i didn't even like want to bother him because at the time i'm like you know what uh we'll just wait till this is over because i'm I'm looking at all the money that they're, they're losing and like this comes out we lost system out of this at the time it was like not going well because right like you know it's not the time to really ask hey by the way and then on his birthday i sent him a joke and uh he called me back and he was like we're doing your special. And uh, I, I. What joke like, did you send him? I said, uh, hey, man, I, I got you a gift. Uh, I gave it to Herb Dean. So it'll, it'll come in two weeks. It was like right after <laughs> Herb Dean, like, vibes that call. And the one where Dan Hardy, like, ran into the cream. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and I, I was, like, floored, you know. Um, I was, like, jumping around with my kid, you know, because it, it, uh, it, it was awesome. Plus, you know, the fact that, like, I was so happy that it was the UFC special because, you know, there are so many times that I have like, you know, 30, 40 minutes of MMA jokes, probably more, probably hours of MMA jokes. Like if I really want to put it together an hour, I, I just, MMA, I could, but a lot of times at comedy clubs, I can't do it because people don't know who these people are. Right. You know? I mean, I can't do a Kayla Harrison joke in Toledo, Ohio. Well, she's from Ohio, but it's a bad example, but I do a Kayla Harrison joke, you know, in Phoenix, in, uh, in Phoenix Maybe three people who came to my show because of the podcast will know, and everyone will be like, uh, so I'll have to explain who Kayla Harrison is. Yeah. And then tell the joke. Right. Yeah, that's, it's like a four minute joke for one one punchline. You know? Right,
0: right, right, right. So
1: it was nice to have a crowd that knew exactly what I was talking about. Like, that right. was, was awesome.
0: I want to go back and we'll get into your MMA jokes and whatever, but I, I want to like deep dive and go big picture. So you were like, you have a background in wrestling right and obviously you've come to be a comedian were you a young wrestler that got into comedy or that noticed comedy or were you a comedy fan that started that then said oh i should get into sports and wrestling is cool
1: i was always like a comedy fan like uh you know like i used to watch dice when i was in third and fourth grade my friends and i was and i'd watch deaf comedy jam on friday nights because that was at midnight on friday i'd be home and that would come on but uh wrestling like I was I started wrestling in sixth grade. It was the first sport I've ever actually was actually pretty good at. Like I was I was always good enough to make like the, the varsity team and stuff. But I never was a star. by yeah. any, any means, I was always like good enough to make the team. And then what happened with, in wrestling? I, uh, I wrestled in seventh grade. I think I was like four and four. You know, it was average. But then I got sent to uh, like a boarding school for troubled kids called Hyde in Maine. It was like saved my life actually. But I was so. You were from
0: L.A. I'm from New York. Oh, you're from New York. Okay. I thought you were from
1: Ireland. And I was getting into trouble and just miserable and sad and just fighting with people in my family. And my sister went there and it kind of, she had time. She was trying to kill herself. She was just having a really, really hard time. And the school changed her life and then changed my life. And they had a a good wrestling program there. And you had to do a sport every season. They made you do a sport. You couldn't lie, steal, cheat, drink, have sex. You had ethics. You had to like wait. Like BYU yeah I get to wake like I broke an ethic I had to wake up and like move rocks all day or, or like you know I had a job my job was to cut bananas for the whole school and it was a it was a really really hard school but it was really it was a great school and um and wrestling I I, I thrived in it like I ended up winning the the prep school in New England's four years in a row I was only like the third kid ever to do that and then uh I got a scholarship to, to Hofstra under Tom Ryan who's now the Ohio State wrestling coach and also uh, hey Bray. And also to uh, <laughs> to uh, Binghamton. Right. Um, so I wrestled. Who is uh, that?
0: Who, hold on. Who is that?
1: It's my little baby. This is Violet. Violet.
0: How are you, Violet?
1: What's your name? You know your name.
0: You're just the cutest. Look at that hair.
1: Thank you. So, um, yeah, I wrestled in high school. And then when I got to college, I, I, I went like D3. I didn't go to D1. And I just was like, I kind of burned out, to be honest. But Actually, it was the first time I ever having freedom since boarding school. Like, right where like every minute is, is basically done for you. And I, I kind of, I was parting a little bit and, and then I, I wanted to start cause I was used to being a star in high school. Like I was like the wrestler in high school. I was like the most popular kid cause the sport there were only 200 kids in old school. And then I'm like, well, if I'm going to wrestle, I'm, I'm going to start. And the captain of the team was my weight class 142. So I went to 134, but I was, I weighed about 150 every week. So I was cutting 16 pounds a week. Wow! In college, and then I just got really angry. Like I hated life. I, well, you're
0: gonna you cut 16 pounds a week.
1: Yeah, every you're week. You're Not and gonna the, love life. Somebody bumped into me. I'd want to fight them. Like, yeah. I just, I just was not happy. Was, I was happy wrestling. Just yes. Six minutes, I was happy. Yes. Yeah. And then I actually beat a, a couple kids. I, I I won like my first I don't know 10 out of 14 matches in college. And I also wanted to prove to myself that I could wrestle in a College level because there was like that prep school champion. Right, basketball. sure. I'm like yeah, 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 you were a state champion It was prep school. Right. So then I, so then when I, I kind of got burned out. My my first before the season even started, I I, I placed in a couple tournaments. I got burned out and then, uh, and I quit. And that was like the hardest thing ever because it was the only thing I was good at. I really felt good about. It was like all my confidence. And then I was like, well, what do, now? What do I do with my life? Because my school's stressed, and if you're not going for your best. And doing something with your life, you're kind of a loser. Yeah. Um. So I used to watch this show on Binghamton Television, which was like their like, it was a closed circuit TV, and they'd try to have like serious discussions about race or whatever. And I was just, I was 17, so they'd I'd be like, yeah, you know, there's too much racism in the school. And
0: Are you calling
1: Devane? Like, who's Devane? I'm like, Devane, in my dick, and I'd hang up. Like I was just <laughs> fucking like. And my friends would laugh on the other side of camp. So you were
0: like the original crank
1: yankers. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> right. Exactly. So then I'm like, well, this looks fun. Maybe I'll get my own show, you know? So I went down and I pretended to learn the equipment and I had a show called These Nuts that was going to air Monday night for three hours, four hours. So four hour show they gave me. Right? Four hour block. Four hour block. And I had no idea. I had a couple of guys in the wrestling team. There was my panel. I had a Budweiser model. Who was like this towny girl that was kind of hot and i I was gonna do a monologue. So I went out there and I did a monologue and then the whole. It's, it's, it's all the freshmen and, and sophomores that live on campus. It goes to their dorm room with the show, right? Yep. And they were all calling it about me, telling me I was a, a fucking dickhead. Like, everything I was doing to everybody else, they were doing to me. Right, like, right, right. Are you Vanilla Ice or Corey Haim or what's wrong with your ear? You, you, you know, cauliflower ears, you know, broccoli head, or whatever they were saying. But it was, it was funny, I have to admit. And I had a shaved head because – the wrestling team as a freshman, you to get your head shaved. That was right. like an initiation. And I was so mad. Cause it was the first time in my life I was getting pussy and, and like, I took away my hair and like, so, so then what happened was this girl that I used to see at the gym, I used to go on the treadmill with like two rubber suits to lose weight. Yeah, so I'd wear two of them and sweat out. And whenever I was there, there was a, like a cute girl that was there named Hannah. I didn't know who she was. I just, so she calls in, she's like, you always check me out at the gym and my name is Hannah and I know people are gonna talk shit about me. They can go right ahead, right? So I'm like, well, you know, are you cute? You know, what's going on, blah, blah. So then people that knew her, I didn't realize this is the most hated girl on campus. They start calling in and they're like, that girl Hannah's a slut and can I park my car up your snatch, just horrible things. Like Hannah stole my jeans. So this, this kid named Seth, who's the captain of the soccer team was like Hannah. One time I came over to your house. Well, my dog is like peeing on the floor right now. Like, but uh, he goes. My wife closed the door. My dog is blind and like f and old, so he's he just peeing. so so he, he goes. Hannah, by the way, uh, uh, you know, I'm gonna cut. You know, how come I couldn't touch your tits? This, this? So she decides to come down to the studio to defend herself. So she she marches down to the studio, jumps in front of the camera, and goes this kid Seth is a fat ass and he should get his fat ass at the gym and and F him, this and that. So now, and I have have a guy who's like a 30 year old Marine that somehow goes to that school writing funny shit in the bottom of the screen, just like the most disturbing (laughs) things. Like Hannah's not a whore. She just likes sex. So then like, so then the, so now the whole, this is utter chaos about her, right? They're like, Hannah, you know, fuck you, this and that. And then, so then there's kid Seth that Then she leaves, goes back to her dorm. People are like throwing water balloons at her dorm room, this and that. And then the kid, Seth, who comes in drunk, the soccer guy. And he's like, Hannah, one day I came to your dorm and, and you were, you know, you wouldn't let me touch your boobs. This, all this shit, right? So now she, they canceled the shows after that. That was my first and only show. <laughs> uh, she, they had to have a disclaimer. I can't imagine why. <laughs> It had disclaimer <laughs> saying no more shows on Binghamton television, and she sued the school for 20 million dollars. She sued that's me not
0: true, that's not true.
1: Where on my life she sued me for 20 million and sued the kid Seth for 20 million, right? She has a 60 million dollar lawsuit now because her dad was a lawyer from like Queens or something, so it like goes to the Supreme Court of Brooklyn, right? Like, I was covered by the school insurance, thankfully. Uh, my dad was like, what The fuck, like, you go to school for two months can you just go to class like everyone else right, like, right. Come home with a, a lawsuit for they threw it out. Thank God I was being sued for negligence. But after, but that was the most fun I, I had in my life.
0: Right. right. <laughs> that was like, I got to do that again.
1: I was like, the only problem was that like half the school wanted to kick my ass. Right. Because right. I, they were all saying stuff like I can kick your ass. I'm like, bring it on, you know, cause at the time I was like, you know, wrestling mode and I had yeah. a week. So, uh, then I was like, I got to join a attorney because I need friends. So I joined a frat and like, I, I, like I, I hate the frat. I'm like, this is so stupid. Like what what am I, but I just needed friends. But then uh, one time there was, this isn't even, this is not this is sort of part of the story, but there was this cute girl named Tatiana, this like hot Puerto Rican girl at breakfast. I was like, hey, what are you doing later? She's like, oh, I'm giving auditions for the, the black dance team. And I'm like, do you have to be black to be joined? She's like, no. So I tried out like as a joke. for the. So, and I made, I made the team. I swear to God with like zero dance, uh, experience, but I guess I had good footwork. So then I got out of pledging to my fraternity cause I was at black dance practice all the time. So I actually won my freshman year, the most dedicated member of the black dance team. I actually won. You were the uh, most dedicated. Yeah. Most dedicated. I went to every, every practice because I got out of pledging. Uh, but that was like my first year of college and my, uh, and then I, I didn't finish college, but after that I was like, I was in college and I'm like, man, that was a lot of fun. But I'm I'm in this like rat race with a bunch of kids, but I don't really want to do this. Every kid was at Binghamton. It was a really good school. Every kid like worked went to Merrill Lynch or went yeah. to, a, you know. But I'm like, and they I'm like, well, Bearcats. Yes. I'm like, I don't I don't want to do any of this. Like I, I I'm in this race I didn't sign up for. You yeah. know, everybody else yeah. is like all about making money and Goldman Sachs, this and that. And then they all had like plans of like you graduate college, you you go to you get married at like 23, and then you have a kid at 29 and you have a house and they're all in this competing over who's gonna get the better job and the better this. But I was like, man, this, just these, this, these can't be the best years of my life. Like as, my, as fun as this is, like what if I could actually have fun my entire life? And uh, I remember having that realization, I remember being at, a, at these parties and like saying hi to people for an hour and a half, two hours, just to say when I came to the party, like, hey, what's up? What's up? But not knowing anybody, feeling like I'm the most alone person there in some w- weird way. Yeah. Uh, so then I then I dropped out of school. I'm like, oh, I'm gonna be an actor, and I went to Hofstra. And I went from literally saying hi to everybody in college and being like Mr. Popularity to sitting by myself at Hofstra alone and being happier when I was alone because yeah. I just didn't have that. It was it felt more real. And I and then I was in acting class, and I'm just making jokes the whole time. I can't pay attention. Like, I don't even think I was on Ritalin at that point or Adderall. I was just like making everyone laugh. And I'm like, man, I'm better at making people laugh. I'm good at individual sports. Uh, the reason I was good at wrestling was not because I was a good athlete. It was because I just worked harder than everybody. I went right. to every wrestling camp. I, I I found every state champ that I could find and just got beat up for them. And I would sh- I was always the first person to practice and the last person to leave. And I'm like, if I could find something to do that, in show business i can be well at it and then i found comedy and you know here i am 22 years later you know i started comedy in New York City, uh you know just doing the worst shows possible like i would do shows at laundromats they had a show uh where little people go do their laundry and then they see a comic i would do shows at like a supermarket where people like are in line and then you have to, like if you held up the line it meant the joke was good yeah. uh I would just show like, have you
0: ever watched crashing?
1: Yeah. Crash- on HBO? Yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. I mean,
1: so it's similar to, it's, it's way worse than crashing. Crashing was like a glorified version of that.
0: Right. Right. Um, it's worse than that.
1: It's 10 times worse than that. Okay.
0: I want to get into that. I want to unpack this. Just when you think, you know how a podcast is going to go. And then you're at Binghamton doing a four hour show with getting sued for $20 million. <laughs> All right. Uh, when you were like in college, obviously for wrestling, but yeah. like, if you didn't find comedy until after, like, what was the plan for your job for your career?
1: I had no plan. I, I None. was, uh, you know, my plan was to make the Olympics in wrestling, and I and I think if I would have went D one, I might have had a shot. I think by the time I was a, a senior, I, I would have placed in the nationals, like right. all of them. I would have been maybe top top eight. Like I lost to the kid ranked eighth, D three. Uh, my my third match in in triple overtime like i was like you know and and i gotten so much better that i was always the best kid on my team in high school not to brag but i could pin the heavyweight and i was the 125 pounder yeah you know and because but when i got to college and all of a sudden people were beating me up and 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 i got so much better right it it was and and um but that so wrestling i was like i'm a political science major I had no idea what I wanted to yeah, do. Yeah, so
0: you were like, you you were like, I'm here to wrestle and nothing else, basically. Wrestle and pass enough to wrestle.
1: Yeah, but but the thing was, it, I went D3 because I'm like, oh, wrestling will be my life if I go D3.
0: Dude, I had that same thing, and I wasn't good enough to play D1 football by any means. But I went to a D3. I went to Ithaca, and uh, you know, good sports programs. And freshman year, I was like, yeah, I'll play football. I love football, whatever. And I was just like, surely everyone will understand we're not going to the NFL. You know what I mean? Like yeah, nobody yeah, yeah. here is going to the NFL and like, I'll be damned if it was like two hours of meetings every day, an hour and a half of practice off season, six days a week workouts. I'm like, what are we doing here? Like, I want to be a broadcaster, you know?
1: one One thousand percent. And and the thing about, you know, like I'm kind of, one of my regrets is not seeing how good I could have been, could have been in wrestling because I'm always like, Oh, you know, like, my coach said to me, not many people are going to say they were an all, all, you know, an all American. Like before right. I, that was when I quit. I was like, but the kids, there was no football team in Binghamton. So the wrestlers were like, the, little, the little lacrosse team, the wrestlers were like, these kids had no social, like, except for the kids that like freshmen, they were the worst at, at social interaction. They go to a bar and they would drink and they would fight. Like yeah. every night. I remember
0: the wrestling team at Ithaca. Like it was like, they were, they were a cult. They were just like their own little thing. They can't go out like just a oh, totally so separate important. lifestyle. I, yeah.
1: I, they no, ne, never chicks anywhere. Like, yeah. it, like, it was just. You and, eat like a
0: power bar a day. Cause you got to keep your weight low. You can't do anything that other people are doing in college.
1: Well, the good kids on the team weren't the ones fighting. Usually it was like right, the second right. string and the third string that were going out and yeah. just fighting random fraternity kids. And the year I, I, I left, I, the, like two years after I left, Lo and behold, they went to they went to a town and they beat the shit out of some some kid, almost killed him. Like the program got dropped because of it. Uh, they had to like campaign to get it back, and then like Billy Baldwin somehow got involved, and then they got because he wrestled for Binghamton, and then they went D one, and then now they're a good program. Yeah, but it was, it was ugly times, and right. Um So, and who knows? Maybe I would have been part of that group that kill the kid. I mean, I, you know, when you, when you're fighting, you don't think that you could really get hurt, going to hurt the person Especially right. if, you're, if you're wrestling and you're getting hurt every day yeah. so on that. But I really had no plan. And that was uh that, that really was the part of the problem. I didn't really think I, I was, a I was like, literally I would sign up for 20 classes the first day and take the four easiest ones I would audit. And just, I, I didn't even know about actually the classes. I didn't even realize the credits, you, need, you needed certain credits i thought all credits were the same right so i have like i went to a guidance counselor they're like you have i don't know a hundred credits but they're all like music and like but Elective. you have no actual right. credit you need to right. graduate right. so i'm like well well these are four points and are are this four like yeah but you need like nothing was explained to me right or if it was i didn't listen you know um and I still have nightmares. I still dream about finishing college. I still like, I'm like, why didn't I, finish? I didn't finish college? Because when I dropped out, I'm like, I want to give myself nothing to fall back on. I either want to make it or I don't want to make, or I'm not going to make it. If I, I don't want to be that guy, because I see too many people, they're like, oh, I'm a comic, but first I'm going to finish college. Then I'm going to finish grad school. And then I'm going to get a job. And they just kind of part-time it. And then they get married and then they and they never.
0: You burn the boats.
1: Yeah. And that's inter- that's
0: the whole meaning behind the phrase. You sink your ship. You got to make it on that Island.
1: Yeah. So that's kind of, so that was uh that was the issue there. And like I'm look, you know, my wife is not like me, you know, she's like, no, our daughter is going to finish college. Our daughter is going to not be a dance major or whatever. Our daughter's going to, and I'm like, I'm like, no, sh- sh- live her passion. So maybe it's good that we kind of come in the middle. You know, I wouldn't recommend to other people like having no backup plan, right. but, Like, even now, because I'm like, maybe I'll finish it now. I'll go back to college. I'm like, if I go back to college, I'm going to be in the exact same spot right now. Like, every job that I've applied for does not need a college degree. Like, never – like, if I'm going to a a comedy club, they're not like, oh, where'd you graduate? like, are you funny? You know? uh, Are you picking people up? Yeah, I, I
0: tell this story all the time. I went to a communications program broadcasting school, right, if a college has a good program for that. Anything I learned in the classrooms is like, I forgot it. Yeah. You know, like the only, the only thing that matters is what I did with my free time, like student run radio station, news program, like all that stuff, you know, like imitate what you see on ESPN. Right. And like, uh, very much like being a comedian in terms of like, this is going to be tough as hell, but like, this guy's good. Why this guy's good. Why, you know, and like pick up your own thing.
1: The thing about comedy that's like so great and also so terrible is that like in any other profession. It's like, if I wanted to be a doctor or most professions, I mean, not yours, like you just said, but you go to, you want to be a doctor, you go to like, okay, you go a doctor, you go to grad school, you go to med school, you go to residency, you're going to be a doctor. They're going to place you somewhere. Yes. Hospital. You can be do comedy for 30 years and not make a dollar. Right. And then, and then you could do comedy for a year and a half. Uh, babe, she peed in here and pooped. So don't come in here. Uh, um, so or you could do comedy for like a year and a half? And all of a sudden you're making $20,000 a weekend. Yeah. So there's no rhyme or reason. Um, a lot of it is just not quitting. That's you know because they give you so many reasons to quit. Because when you get into comedy, you think, okay, if I make people laugh and they like me, then I'm successful. Then I'm a good comic. But then all of a sudden, it's like now it's like when I was started doing comedy, you literally mailed your VHS to a booker. Yeah. And then you called them every week, and then they would finally be like, okay, come and feature for three hundred dollars. You get yourself out of here. Stay in a fucking comedy condo and then go home and then cook, you know, do this 10 times and maybe you'll get moved up to headliner if you get a TV credit or two. Now it's like, well, what's your Facebook follow? What's your Instagram? What's your TikTok?
0: Yeah. What's,
1: you have a podcast. It's like you start learning all these other things except for the art of comedy. And then what happens is like people get really good at the other things. But then, like, you can't. I can't say how many people come up to like, "Hey, man, I love your show. You didn't just tell the same four stories that I heard on the podcast, like, like the six other comics that I saw." Right. Yeah, because I'm a comic, you know. So it's the hard part is like just staying focused on the craft and not worrying about the bullshit. Right. And and that's fucking hard, man. Yeah, I bet. Like, like, like like I I say sometimes, like, I would do a show in like, I don't know, let's say Toledo, Ohio, and I a hundred people. Like I get you know people come up to me thank you thank you i have a laugh at the heart and crying and i'm like oh i'm, I'm fucking you know somebody says I, I found out that you know my wife had cancer today i came out here and I, this is the first time i left you know just people you hear things that you're just like oh my god this is this is my reason for living and then you get back to the hotel and you're staying at like the motel 6 cuz that's where they put you up and you're just like okay all right uh now what and then you like you go on the internet and then you see all these people who just booked fucking this and just booked Conan and, yeah. and I just booked seven movies. And, and I, uh, and you're like, Oh, that sucks. And you put on TV and you're like, tonight, it's fucking the guy that used to open for you. And you're like, ah, so then you just get more and more depressed. So in order to keep yourself like high, cause that high is gone. It, like people, they go, all right, well, maybe I'll smoke some, some weed. then you can't find weed or you, or maybe I'll do some Coke. Or for me, it was always women. Like, Before I got married, it was like, all right, I got to say hi somehow. I got to feel loved somehow. Let me call the girl from the club to come over. But then that gets old, and that's also like, you know, that that at a certain point, you just like, you know, it's over.
0: Right. What? um, What's over? (laughs)
1: Like doing that is over. Like it's just right, right, right. I mean, I, I I went home with this girl one time, and there was a remote in her, uh, in in like her, her house. And I go, Oh, what's this for? And she's like, Oh, um, it's for my anus. I'm like, what are you talking about? She's like, my, my rectum fell out when I was a kid. I had an accident and it actually like, and and you could actually like tighten her asshole with the the remote. And I, and like, I don't want to judge her or like make fun of her, but I'm like, Oh, does it work for the garage? Like I was like all these, you know, uh, but (laughs) But at that point I was like, all right, when girls have remote control assholes and it's not, and I'm not even phased by it, like maybe it's time to like, you know, settle
0: down. Right. Slow down, figure out (laughs) what's next. Uh, When you were like, I'm going to get into comedy. uh, What did you expect it to be like?
1: In the very beginning, like I took like a comedy, couple comedy courses and uh, comedy courses are like really, they're like an improv class. Like an improv class, but for stand-up comics. Okay. You know, um, it's good because you'll be surrounded by people who are just as bad as you are, uh, and clueless as you are, so you can make quick friends. You know, it's it's um bad because you really can't teach comedy. You kind of yeah. have. To learn. You got to
0: do it a hundred times, a thousand times.
1: I mean, you can kind of teach joke structure at a certain level, but uh, people tell me all the time that you have any advice. They're like, hey, can you watch my video? I'm like, I'm not gonna watch it. Like, uh, I'm sorry. Like, like, but good luck my advice is just keep doing it keep doing it keep doing it and 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 you know there's nothing i can tell you that's really you know it's, it's hard because it's like but uh i don't know i feel like it takes like i'm not gonna watch it but no it's but, it's like, I, it, but it's
0: like yeah it's, like is it is it not the type of profession where you can critique a game film and say you know you really should deliver it like this is that what you're trying to say like where
1: you can it's just like there's this it's hard to like tell someone what to do in the beginning because you never know what's really going to work for somebody. Yeah, like, I mean, they, there's no rules in comedy. Like, like with Sam Kinison, it's like he screened his fucking jokes. It was hilarious. And they go observational comedy sucks. Well, well Seinfeld's a fucking billionaire. Yeah. Well, don't give props. Well, Carrot Top has the biggest, like, thing ever in, in Vegas. Oh, right. you got to be clean. I'll tell that to Dice. And then you're like, oh, you know, you got to be totally personal. Judah Freelander, nothing he says happens. So, like, you could find like every single thing you could be like, well, that's not true. Cause that, so for somebody to tell someone what works is like, is like blasphemous. And if anything, you're just kind of molding them into what you are. I mean, granted people have come up to me and said, can you help me with my jokes? And I, I'll be like, I, I do one-on-one sessions and I'll, I'll look at their act and be like too much. You don't need this line. This is stupid. This, yeah. is, not, this is, you know, put this here, put there. I have done that for a lot of people you know um i do that for fighters actually oh really i actually tweet out people's fights i tell them uh, a lot of times world champions like what should i say this and then i'll like for
0: like a post-fight speech
1: no for like on on, like twitter
0: oh okay
1: or i'll tell them what to tweet like but but then they won't stop fucking hitting me up yeah yeah (laughs) and then they make personal videos thanking me i'm like all right fine you know and then people are like oh shit they're getting so much better at fucking roast better i'm like yeah okay uh but um but uh what was the question? I forgot the so
0: question. So it like what you expected comedy to be when you were like, I'll do this. I, you
1: know, I thought I was amazing at like at like month one. Like you you think you're great until you bomb and then you bomb a lot. You know, it's like I think it'd be the very beginning and you're like, Oh and, and I look back and I'd be completely embarrassed to what I was doing in the beginning. Like I yeah. dumped beer yeah. in my head, I had a I had a shirt that said ice ice baby. It was just like it was just, it was <laughs> yeah. all bad. Yeah. Um but I, I loved it. I was, I was like too dumb to know how bad I was. I was too naive, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and then at year one, I was on MTV's True Life. I'm a comedian. Like they followed me around. It was me and Godfrey. And I, at the time, I was doing comedy in laundromats, supermarkets. And he was at the Montreal Comedy Festival. He was like the guy that made it. and I was the guy that started out. And they, and then they wanted me to get past at this club, which I failed me the week before. So I knew I wasn't going to get past. And I didn't get passed again by this woman. Um, so, uh, but it was great. It was it was a good look to be on MTV. Like right, up yeah,
0: like that. that was you a know? good show. That was like a legendary show for people of my age, like late thirties. True Life, yeah. Jersey Shore. I I don't particularly remember the comedy one, but now I want to watch it. It's probably on oh, YouTube. It was.
1: I mean, it was like sad. It was like, but it, you know, I was I was nineteen years old. I was twenty right. years old. You know, right. and, uh, it You
0: was, shouldn't be good then.
1: No, no, you shouldn't. I, you be know. Good. I mean there's still times like, you know, you like I, like I put out this new hour, I'm like now nah, I gotta write a new hour. And yeah. it's gonna like jokes are like um it's sometimes like you just have to sit on a joke and then the punchline will just come to you. Right. You know, one day. And then like that joke sucked for three months, but now oh there's the punchline. Yeah. You know, um and I'm kind of a joke quarter. Uh but I, I was always like it was always fun for me. I remember going to play, I used to go to the comedy cellar and watching and I'd watch like you know Rich Voss and uh, Colin Quinn and Patrice O'Neill and and these guys go on and like afterwards we played basketball. It was me, Patrice, uh, Kevin Hart. Um, Kevin Hart was like the best player I've, I've ever seen. He's he's amazing. Yeah, really. He could like really have been played like D if he was bigger D one. Right, you know, right. D3. And I um, Steve Mar- Marshall like Keith Robinson, Robert Kelly would all play. My name was Open Mike. They called me Open Mike. I was like. <laughs> uh but those were like i mean the best times of my life have been comedy you know like i mean i got to go to africa and europe and do comedy i got to go to guantanamo bay cuba for like all these military tours and
0: yeah
1: night shows i mean it's just but it's just uh i mean last year at at this time i was in greenland doing comedy for the wow like like, the military you know wow
0: that's crazy um yeah yeah, i think what you mentioned is it strikes with me is uh like it's almost like i think it's maybe if you find your passion you think you're good right away like you start and you're just like yeah man i'm crushing this i think maybe that's just a sign that you really like it cuz i remember when i first got on tv first pro job on air was in casper wyoming doing sports on the nbc station up there and i was just like crushed it you know just like crushed it then you watch your tape back like a year later and you're like man i was bad but i'm getting better and now I remember thinking that like almost at every job and for the UFC when I started like three years ago, I was like, this is my thing. I'm good at this. You know, like I'm, I'm doing awesome. And I watched some of those earlier fights back and I'm just like, eh, like I know so I know so much better now and now I'll stop and I'll have a show that's infinitely better than that one. And I'll be like, I suck tonight. That was a bad show. And people are like, Oh, "Oh, good show. You know,
1: I think there was a guy that they hired, I think from the WWE, they kept getting everyone's name wrong.
0: Todd Grisham was the guy before me.
1: Todd Grisham, I think he fucked up so bad that like, <laughs> like it helped you, like when you, probably when you, true. Like when you say Sakuraba's name wrong, like
0: I remember well, that was a criticism. Of him, I, I've met him. He's a nice guy. I actually I have known a lot of people that have known him in the past. Yeah. And uh, but I don't know him. I, I've met I met him like one time when I uh was at the Logan Paul KSI fight in L.A. because he was wow. announcing it. Cause I was calling that on BBC radio for the people over uh, across the pond, but I, I, yeah, I don't, but I don't want to bag on him, but like oh, no, the bag- nice guy, but like, yeah, like he had made some mistakes obviously, which opened the door for, for me having the job.
1: Yeah, no, I think that that, but it was also like, he came from a WWE place where he was yeah. doing it like it was a WWE fight. Um, and I think that that was like, people were like, huh, you know uh, what, what's going on right now? It was right. like And MMA fans are some of them like, Like every single time there's a fight, people are like, Oh, Joe Rogan's off tonight, no matter what he does or, or Dominic Cruz. I'm like, dude, Dominic Cruz is telling you things that nobody in the world knows, but Dominic Cruz. Right. He's Telling it to you in a way that like, I can understand it. Yes. Like, what are you talking about? You know what? (laughs) Like, why would you, I don't even like, so it, it makes no sense. I mean, there's, and it's hard because, uh, you guys have a hard job. I mean, like a legit, a legitimate hard job because it's not like baseball where, like, you know, the like fastball, like you don't know what's going to happen. No. Yeah. Like, don't know what's going to end. It's just, I mean, you don't even know what some and for you, I don't know your background, but I don't think you're like a 10th degree black belt in, in, no, uh, I'm
0: actually the f- lowest degree white belt. I'm the still my right. white belt so, that still doesn't have a stripe on it. And honestly, my high school didn't even have a wrestling team, Adam, when we when yeah. I was there, maybe they tried to start one, but I don't think they have one. So like no wrestling, like combat sports were just never a part of my life other than the big fights on TV tune in, you know? Yeah. Um, So yeah, no, it's, it's a different thing. But then I started liking it. I started hitting the bag like 10 years ago. If my gym had a bag in it, I'd hit it. I'm just like, no, it's cool. Like fighters – the, the workouts fun. The training's fun. Like they're real athletes. All that. Like I always kind of had it on the back of my mind. Like I liked it, but I was never in it. Like never had that wrestling background like no, that's you. Not, that's and- a
1: hard. It's really hard. It's really hard to do. Um. That's. I mean, it's legitimately like I couldn't imagine commenting on a sport that I didn't do. Like I. I would. I would like if I was a hockey, I'd be like, oh, the right. guy is a puck, and now he's passing it. Yeah. He's shooting. I mean, it's.
0: So the funny thing is, is that the only jobs that I haven't gotten at a like a, a high level are that i've like auditioned for and stuff were hockey jobs and i grew up playing hockey played club hockey through college whatever i like uh audition for an islander's job audition for nhl network and i was like close a finalist those are the only two jobs where i've like i got the audition didn't happen but like ufc i get the audition i'm learning a sport and i got it it's kind of oh, like i mean comedy you just never know what's gonna strike you know you just no, never know what's gonna
1: it never i mean never and uh yeah i mean there are so many times like i like like i mean the the highlight though for me was i've been like the uh the leno shows like when i got on the tonight show yeah i mean last comic standing was so
0: how how long did it take for you to get like what what would you consider your break
1: i would say it would be it was last comic standing was my break uh that was i was about 10 years in 11 years in
0: did you think it would take 10 years when you started no get a somewhat break
1: no 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 i didn't i but i I never really went into it wanting to be the biggest comic of all time. Like, right. Like, like that was kind of my, like my dad, who's my manager who managed Alice Cooper.
0: I just saw the picture that you posted on Twitter.
1: Like he was always like, we got to make you a household name, household name. But, but my goal was never to be a household name. It was just to be like a a professional comedian,
0: make your living yeah. doing what you love to do. That's
1: really all. I, and that's really what I want to do. It's like almost like the accolades are there on the stage. You yeah. know, like yeah. people laugh on the stage. It's really enough be honest like and now with social media it's almost better like that you're not a household name because it's just uh, like you just go on already people are like there's like a a reddit thread about how much my special sucks like you only saw the commercial like like you saw eight seconds like how how are you like you said eight seconds yeah like how would you possibly know but um but yes when i did i mean but that was even hard because i moved to la um because I like won a like a fixed contest. There was a contest at like the funniest comic in New York, but my manager owned the comedy club at the time. I almost didn't accept the speech because like, but I was, I was living in New York and I was giving out flyers every day in the freezing cold in Times Square, begging people to come. It was me and this guy, Dave Rubin, who's now like a pretty big like Republican analyst. We started our own comedy club. Uh, I called Joe Franklin's across the street because we were working at this club and we were giving all the money to the people that ran the club. We're like we just, we could just have our own club and, and we all, and we would, we had like barkers. So we'd go on the street and bark people in. Yep. And then I had people, I had walkers. So I'd be like, Hey, there's a comedy club, blah, blah. And people would be sketchy. I'd be like just down that, just walk down that, you know, street. And this is times square. People were like, uh, so then I had Melissa Roush from the big bang fairy, who was a comic. I have her walk people to the comedy club.
0: Cause it she, looks sketchy.
1: Yeah. <laughs> then. Like, but yeah. then, so then, uh, so then I, I I was managed by Stand Up New York and I, and I won this contest that I didn't even enter, like, I entered the finals and won it. And then my thing was, I got to win a, a trip to LA and I, and then I, uh, to do a spot at the improv. I did a spot at the improv and, um, and then Anthony Clark, who was on a show called yes, dear, who was a pretty big comic at the time was like, dude, you're really funny. I want to hook you up. My manager, Hold on. Which
0: one was Anthony Clark on? Yes, dear? I loved that show. Was he
1: brown hair skinny.
0: He was the rich dad. But like yeah, the, the like the there guys. was two there were two families and My- michael malley was one of them
1: yeah he was the other one
0: he was the other one. okay i didn't yeah. never knew his name that was a great show
1: so he was like i want you to you're hilarious isn't that so he was like uh so i'm like you know move out here and i was and i was at the time i was I, I was in a i was in new york and i was like in this play where i played a male stripper called birdie's bachelorette party uh that, like stuttering john's wife it was like tony and tina's wedding this was a bachelorette party it was at the culture club which was a huge 80s club in yeah New York. It was like, and i and and then my job was to give lap dance to the girls in the club for like five dollars because and you didn't know i was in the play even though you did and at the end i had to wear like a pink headband walk around and i was a shot boy instead of a shot girl and then and I, it was actually kind of a really cool job i'd like make out with like five girls a night and like <laughs> the people would steal my fucking pink headband and then i had to have the bouncers throw them out like i was basically because i was making all this money for the club but it, That was kind of a, I didn't really feel good about that job, to be honest. So I went out to LA and then I auditioned for Last Comic Standing and I didn't make it the first time. I made it to like the finals of LA, then I auditioned the next year and they're like, guess what? They're like, I killed it had a great set, Bob and Ross, who were the two judges, were like, You're going to Hollywood. And then I'm backstage and they film me calling my parents and and I'm just so happy and this is it. And I, you know, at the time I was living in like in like my friend's closet, Steve Hofstetter's closet. Um, just not going. So then I was so happy. And then they called me up a week later, like, you're off the show. I'm like, but I haven't even filmed the next they're like, yeah, well, we pick fifty people, but we only keep thirty of them. So, and like my manager, who I who I had left, like called me up because he managed Anthony Clark, and he was like, "Hey, just so you know, I had a a big meeting with the uh, producers of uh, Al Last Comic. Good luck." So that he basically got me off the show after I left him. Um, So I was Uh... not on the show. So I was like, "All right." So then I shot a show called Kamikaze Comedy, where I produced it, where you do comedy where people aren't expecting it. Yeah. So we do comedy like.
0: Gas stations. Right
1: gas stations. Yeah, I've
0: seen it. Yep.
1: So I went to pitch a show to NBC and they're like, hey, why don't you try out for the last comic standing? I'm like, because you won't let me. They kicked me off the last year. They're like, oh, we'll come out this year. So I went down and the auditions were too late for LA. So I drove down to Arizona, stood online, got in, got to the finals again, told me you're going to Hollywood. This is the best. They called me a week later saying, you're off the show again. I go, but y- you told me I was on the show. Uh, so, so then I was like, you know, I'm done with this fucking business. Like, I'm done. This is th- what it is. This? I called up. I called up the producer. I cursed him out. Uh, I remember a kid from Kid and Play was next to me. Like, don't do this. I, I'm like, nah, fuck this guy. I left a message. Like, this is the third time this fucking happened. The show is rigged. You can't keep telling me I'm on a fucking show and then playing my emotions like that. I'm calling. Yeah. You so then. I'm like home for two weeks, like depressed. They call me up They're like, okay, we're going to let you back to audition back on the show. But, uh, tomorrow you have to be in Vegas. Right. Cause like, I knew somebody that knew somebody that, like, so I kind of got wind- swindled my way back on. So then I get back to the Vegas competition and I'm like, try- I'm like, you know what? It's not me being myself is not working. I'm not, I'm trying to be a nice guy. I'm telling you that like what I do and you know, it's just not working like, on you know- stage. You mean? No, offstage. Off stage, stage. I'm, I'm off killing on stage, stage. on stage. Right, 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 right. Judges are telling me I'm in the finals. Yeah, yeah. Like, like, and then the so
0: producer's I'm, backstage, right, okay.
1: Maybe I'll just be the villain. It was like right when The Ultimate Fighter came out, I'm like, yeah. you know, maybe I'll be that guy. So then I was like, you know what? I'm the best comic here. Nobody can touch me. They're like, everybody sucks but me. So then they put me right through, right? They're like, okay, but now-
0: You're saying I'm, that to like the camera, like the like the documentary style camera, thing? Yeah, yeah. yeah, you just play that. Okay, cool.
1: And all the comics were looking like, that, like this guy's an asshole. But I'm like- Look, this—I gotta get on this fucking right, show. Right. But now I'm in a house with like Eliza Schlesinger and Jeff Die, and we're living in this house. But I'm like, you know what? Uh, I'm gonna be known as the biggest asshole on television now. Like, great. Like, be careful. So I'm like, uh-oh. Maybe I'll just, I'll just reverse it on them, right? So every time they interviewed me, they're like, "Do you want to win?" I'm like, uh, eh, you know, winning would be great, but..." Everybody here does a really good comic and and then I talked about, you know, for three years I lived in New York and I worked at the Ronald McDonald House, which was true. I volunteered for kids who had cancer. And these kids were really sweet and like, as bad as my life is, man, like I just think of that how inspiring they are. Every interview I talked about the kids who had cancer, because that way they wouldn't be able to like how are they gonna cut that. Yes, right. So they, they stopped interviewing me. They're like they interviewed everyone but me. Right. And then they would they would do it where like like they would be like, Tonight everyone's performing and I'm like, Yes, because they stopped, the show stopped becoming a comedy competition.
0: It, it was a reality stopping.
1: show. Yeah, yeah, like our contests were like make props with Carrot Top and Home Depot. Or let's have a Yo Mama competition by Jamie Kennedy's The Judge. Or we're going to read children's stories to the playmates and the girls next door. But I'm like, what does this have to do with stand-up comedy? Like, what are, so finally they're like, okay, you're actually all going to perform. And I'm like, yes. Well, cut to I watched the show and they're like, you're all going to perform. And they took a clip of me going like this from earlier. And then they cut to some comic going, Adam was really upset about, people. I'm like, I was the only one cheering. Like, so.
0: It's a dirty business, man. Dirty
1: business, but I ended up taking six on that show. And, uh, but that took me to headliner. And after right. that, I had for a while, you know, like I, I, I never, I, at that point, I was no longer a feature. Right. So that was like the first like break, you know, even though I got the least amount of screen time, like people forgot I was on the show, like, like no one wanted to go against me. Everyone kept picking yeah. Eliza Schlesinger because at the time she seemed like she was the easiest one to beat. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, that was, it was a good experience. Would I have went off my antidepressants before the show? No. Like I, like I did, I was definitely more like, uh, Oh, I think I'll be more interesting if I go off my, my, my like Selexa. I wouldn't yeah. have done that. I was definitely more irritable. Right. And, and then also, um, you know, I was sort of stuck because I had three times they kicked me out. I'm like, what am I going to do? Like, you know, if I, if I'm just telling them who I really am, they're not picking me. Right. Like, like so I kind of have to be this, you know,
0: it's tricky, man. I always think about that with fighters. Like there's certain fighters, they strike a chord when they kind of step outside of themselves sometimes, which is so unnatural to do. And some plenty of them don't need to. And I, I don't, you know, I'm I'm always careful to like Try to encourage, or I wish this person would talk a little. It's just like that's not who they are, you know. But the yeah. ones who, you know, who Colby it,
1: you yeah. Know? I mean, Colby's the best example. Like, I had Colby on my show, on my podcast, like the the day the day after he he like won a fight in uh, in Asia, like UFC China, and I was like, hey man, I think you're gonna be like the next big thing, and he's like, he was so nice and grateful, and he talked about yeah, me and John Jones were roommates in college, and we used to go beat up townies together. And I'm like, I'm like, yeah, man. like, I'm like, but you got to make some noise, dude. No one knows who you are. Like, maybe I shouldn't have spoke cause that, you know, <laughs> but.
0: <laughs> I want to get Colby on this show, but I want to do a straight down the line. Lo- I want to do an interview about his life. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, cause I don't want him in sunglasses just doing this the whole time and whatever. But, and I, I see the value in that for him. I mean, he's, he's, I you know, he's just, you can't argue with the results, but, um, but I also want to know, I, I want to know the person behind, but then that's up to him whether, whether he kind of breaks character. Guys,
1: like every time there's a holiday, he goes, Adam, you know, I wish you and your family happy holidays. Like, you know, when my my mom passed away. He texted me, Hey man, sorry about your mom. Like he, he's a, he's a really nice guy. Uh, and every time that I think I'm like, dude, what are you doing? It like works out for him. Like right. when he got, when he got banned from ATT. Like I called him like, dude, are you sure about this one, man? Like, this gym has fucking monsters, I, Adam. I know what I'm doing. I mean, based on the Woodley fight, I have to be like, wow, he knows what he's doing.
0: Right, right.
1: I was convinced that oh, once he left that, I'm like, ah, well, who's he gonna fight? Now he has to pay his training partners. Right. And hurt him. I mean, how are you gonna get better training partners than the guys over at American Top Team and Colby Covington Incorporated? I mean, he looked better than ever, right. or Woodley worked looked worse than ever. I don't know. Right.
0: Yeah. When when you um. What? How big of a fan of the UFC were you? Like, you were a UFC fan all the way up. Like, when did you decide to be like, hey, wait a second, I could uh, make some UFC jokes and be the voice of uh, a fan base in terms of my comedy in a, in a certain way? That was way.
1: crazy. So I was opening for John Heffron. John Heffron, who won last Comic Standing. I was his opener for a while. He, he, we both like liked watching MMA and UFC. And he, um, he got picked to host the MMA Awards. So I was one of the writers. He, he's like, "Hey man, can you can you can you write this? Write me some sketches." Yeah. So me and this guy Joey Varner, we 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 wrote uh, um, the Randy Couture divorce attorney sketch, and we wrote the Dear Vandy, the Vanderly Silva as like Vanalee Silva as like as the axe murderer. He's like a giving like therapy, like Dear Abby, and they kind of like blew up,
0: you yeah. know,
1: and uh, and people loved them in the MMA world. Like like they would like really love them. So I ran into Dana White at a casino, and I was performing at the Improv. I think it was the Improv. I was performing at some casino. And I, I was like, Dana, you know, I'm a big fan. I wrote this sketch, and we talked for like 45 minutes. This is like when Brock Lesnar was just coming up. And, yeah. and I was we were talking about, and he just, we both connected. And then I was like, hey man, he, he like gave me his number, and uh, he told me he was gonna come to my show the next night. Then he, he didn't come to the show, but he called the bouncer. To let the bouncer know, to let me know, Dana couldn't make it. He's sorry, which was like, I mean, how many people? Right. right? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so then I was like, I pitched a show to the UFC. I I go, Dana, can I pitch a show to you? Sure. So I had this idea for a show called "So You Think You're a Tough Guy," where I drive around in a truck, and then there's an octagon in the back of the truck, and then there's like a fighter and a ring girl, because everyone's always like, "I could beat the guy on TV." Yeah. No, you can't. So this is you could actually sign up to fight the guy on TV. So. It was kind of like a bully beatdown cash cap. So I pitched it to Craig Boseri and Craig was like, I'm like, it'll be great. We'll have the fights in the parking lots before the, the main event will follow the UFC around. And he's like, man, like we're just getting legalized. Like, we can't right. fight in the parking lots. But, like... <laughs> we we'll put
0: a cage fight in the parking lot with fans and a UFC fighter.
1: But thank you. And then I asked him, like, 37 questions about upcoming fights. The meeting was over in, like, three seconds. But I asked him, who do you think is going to win? This, that, you know, like. Yeah. And then I think he appreciated the fact that I was, like, asking all these questions. So then I'm, like, coaching wrestling one day, and I get a call from Dana White. And Dana's like, hey, man, like, they love Tosh.0. They want to do a show where you just kind of make fun of fighters. make Like, talk about the events. Like, a Tosh yeah. Tosh.0 he's like all this bullshit happens in ma and i can't make these my my videos are 10 minutes long you know but you know you could do this and like you know bang it out in 30 seconds right I'm like okay so the first one i wrote like 10 scripts for him and this and that i i still have the voicemail saved like from 10 years ago was like, adam uh I've been watching the, I read your scripts. We were in the fucking total wrong direction. I keep making fucking movies and shit. He goes, but that fucking Bruce Buffer one's hilarious. I had Bruce Buffer called like Bruce Fluffer, where he's a fluffer. where like, like, you can't get hard. And he shows up and goes, it's time. Like that's like, <laughs> he goes, that's fun. I love that. He goes, no, I'm looking. So anyway, so then I wrote all these jokes, but then uh, like I would write 10 pages of jokes, but they'd only use like like a half a page. So I'm like, fuck, what do I do all these jokes? Like, you know, like, like, I hate giving away, like, this, I want people to laugh at these jokes. Yeah. I started a Twitter account and roasted and all of a sudden, like all these people just started re- I'm like, damn, this is doing a lot better than my Twitter account. You know, like this is crazy. And then, uh, then I got a call from Fox sports and Fox sports, they call me and they're like, Hey, we love MMA roasted. We want to do uh, a podcast. We want we want to have your podcast on fox sports I'm like okay you know like and we also want to do a thing where like this is back when they had like the fake quarterback people like would be like it was like a fake john madden or fake whoever talking to a fake this person okay fake and it was like a facebook page and they were all talking shit about each other right like we want to do that for fights where we pretend
0: oh like a conversation thing yeah yeah yeah, yeah
1: yeah yeah so we want to do like a we'll call it text from last fight and i'm like all right so then they had me like for like two years I was writing these like fake conversations between fighters that went on during the fights. Right. And then I would post them and at first it got like a million shares and then people realized it were me and they were mad because they were like, fuck, <laughs> oh <God>, like. so <laughs> I thought it was real. Yeah. It yeah, was real and they were mad and then they heard me in my voice kind of, but they were like blowing up. I mean, they were like blowing up all over the. So yeah. then I kept writing the MMA awards and I wrote like to Daniel Cormier all about the cake video. And like this year I just, finished the uh Henry Cejudo.
0: That was great, by the way. Cringe ass Henry is phenomenal, and
1: then 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 the Dom
0: Cruz one too, right?
1: Yeah, Dom Cruz. Dom Cruz was the best because he was like, he was like, I call him up. I wanted to have Nganu as BTS because I thought Indanu would be funny with those wigs on, and and he's the scariest human being. It's like basically, I got to pick the like, like the scariest person and put him in the most ridiculous position. Yes, yeah. And then it was hard because of COVID. COVID was like so then. Ngannou's manager was like, yeah, he doesn't really understand what you're saying. You know? Right. Um, even though he came to a show and he was really nice. Like I made so many jokes about him. Like just being like, oh, you, you know, you came here, you were an Uber driver and now you're the champ. This fucking shitting on Nganu. And at, at, the, at the end, he uh, he put me in a headlock and then he, he invited me to come to the, the fights with him. He's like, you come with me. You, you We're going to fight together tomorrow. Like he could not have been a nicer guy. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but yeah. So then I wrote all those, those sketches. And then um, a lot of them, like, really popped off. You know, uh, like the Askren one, I had the the hello from the Askren side. He was, like, Adele trying to get into the UFC. <laughs> and then uh, we had Johnny Hendricks, like, we had him, like, I can't make the weight when I fight you because I'm hungry because he kept missing weight. Right. And Uriah Favor as the weekend of, like, I got a really big butt chin. My chin can twerk. I had his chin twerking. <laughs> like, so, like. So, so you like,
0: just became – it just took off, and you're, like, this is cool. Off
1: you know um and it, it's fun it's it's harder when i'm like friends with the guys
0: yeah so what what reaction have you gotten from a fighter because so far you're like everyone's been great but not no, all I, fighters have
1: no 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 definitely not all fighters uh
0: i don't know if you want to drop any names you don't have to uh,
1: no like nick it. diaz when i first when mayhem miller like got caught in a church uh with like a fire extinguisher like i wrote like nick diaz says that mayhem stay off drugs or something right and uh Nick Diaz, like, I didn't say shit, man. Like, I think he thought it was, like, a real news source. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah.
1: So, then he took it down because he realized it was a fake account, you know? Yeah, yeah. But then, then Nate came to my, uh, Nate's the funniest, man, because, like, Nate, I'll be like, hey, Nate, uh, do you want to present an award this year at the MA Awards? i like, fuck yeah, I want to win one, too. But he wasn't even, like, nominated. Like right. it was just. Like, <laughs> so, so then I pitched having the Nate Diaz Awards where Nate wins every year, but they, they were like, no. No. um. <laughs> But uh, yeah, uh, Danny Castillo said like I'm gonna him, said he was gonna knock me out if he saw me. But then we became like really good friends. Uh, I think he realized it. Um, like what's his name blocked me on one account. Forrest Griffin after he ran out of the octagon against Tito. Yeah, but then he calls me on my other account. But he were, like we're like he also like a good friend. But he like won't. Unblock yeah, he's
0: the guy. Oh, he still doesn't unblock
1: it. you.
0: He doesn't want to hear it.
1: John Jones blocked me on every account. Like Oh, every, really? Yeah, he's the one where I think he like legitimately fucking doesn't like me. Uh but it was like he just kept getting in trouble. You know, but he had you know, like I wasn't angling him out, you know. Um right. and I, so uh and I I'm, I'm a John Jones fan too. Like I I've I've heard mixed things about him, you know, based right. from from his teammates.
0: Yeah, yeah. But
1: the people that like him seem to really like him.
0: Yeah. Um Man, I could sit here and talk to you for like six hours about all these comedy stories, man. Um, have you ever wondered, or can you explain to me why, I, I just have like a couple more questions. But um, you mentioned depression when you were like a teenager, right? Yeah. And you mentioned that you've been on medication and stuff like that. It, like, why is it a pattern that people who make other people laugh for a living uh, kind of deal with that? Because you're not the only one at well, all. And not you not hear one. it all the time, like comedians are like, if anything, they might be unhappy people. But, oh, like, yeah. why, why is that?
1: No, I think that's why during lockdown, so many comics were losing their minds um, or going back to drugs or relapsing. I think it's because, like, the, like the, the, the job description is like insane. You know, like, I'm going to go and tell a group of strangers the funniest, most darkest, most fucked up things about me. And if they laugh, I'm happy. And if they don't, I'm depressed you know and every I'm doing this every night Uh, it's just it's a crazy job it's like most people like speaking in public is like the biggest fear and you're all you're 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 wanting you're needing and wanting the love and uh, from complete strangers some of which you you like wouldn't talk to because they're insane I remember there was a guy like everybody was like trying to make laugh and when he laughed everyone felt good and everyone's like this is I, I did a show, everyone, oh, I made this guy laugh, I made this guy laugh, and everybody wanted this guy to laugh, and at the end of the show, the guy comes up to me, he goes, hey, man, I love your show, and then show me a freaking Nazi sign, and I'm like, this is the guy we all wanted to make laugh? Like, we, like, we don't even know, like, you're just assuming these people, you're assuming that laughter, it, it's, it's, it's an insane job, and I think that uh, you, the validation is because we didn't get it from somewhere along the line, somewhere along the line, like, we needed people to accept us, and it didn't happen. Not everybody's like this, of course. I think that, you know, there's always like the Jerry Seinfeld or you get that. I mean, Dimitri, Dimitri Martin, who I like went to law school, Yale, and then became a comic. I don't know if he's in this, same, same boat, but I think a lot of us as people are just people that just need, uh, I know for me, like I, you know, my mother had schizophrenia and left when I was three years old and I, I haven't seen her since, you know, my father was, is a recovering addict. Um, great father and I love him, but wasn't, necessarily like always there for me and uh cuz he was dealing with his own demons you know I had a I had a stepmother who uh was not never legally adopting me and my sister but had her own son she, she just like poured the love onto him and completely like avoided us and treated us like we were like the bastards it's like a fucking disney movie where you see like the, the like the cinderella, cinderella right? yeah, yeah yeah so i think that there was there was definitely that that like need for acceptance and um I think that's a lot of times, you know, comics, and then when you get it, a lot of comics don't know how to handle it. Um, or they, it's like not enough. I remember Tracy Morgan telling me, like, I was in the green room, I was like a year into comedy, I was doing like the Puerto Rican show at midnight where I would unclog toilets to get on stage. I was like my way to get on stage, and, and he was in the other room, and he'd be in there but just being like, man, you don't understand. Once you start getting these laughs, nothing's gonna be the same, like, not even sex. Not even sex was gonna be the same. And I, I'm like, this guy's out of his mind. But then I understood what he was saying like a couple years into it. Like I understood what people were saying. And it's just, it's it's hard. It's like uh, it's uh, it comedy becomes, and it also becomes your, it, it, you can't turn off. Right. Like, like my, my wife goes to work at eight in the morning and she's done at six and then she's done. Right. Like, like I have to constantly, is, why are you laughing is that funny is this funny like writing this down like, yeah
0: never where, ends right
1: where am i booked next week are, am i promoting it people coming but like what that's one side of it like is this joke funny is like could this be a bit could that be a bit and you're constantly like watching yourself act in real time so that you could tell people about the experience yeah so, it's like your your job is almost like to not be present like, like you have to be present enough, but to watch yourself be present. So you, it's it's crazy.
0: Yeah, like if you go to Target and something funny happens, you got to be like, okay, this is the act. How I'm, and you're immediately writing that joke.
1: Right, right. No, I, I'm fighting my wife all the time, and then I'm writing the jokes down. And so like it's, it's, I'm like arguing with her while writing. And she's like, really, talking like, like this is what. It is. I'm like, That's wait, what did, you, what, did you, what did you tell me? What did you say? Wait, you, I'm okay, trying to. I'm, I'm, the, I'm the worst human. Okay, let me write that. Like. So, yeah.
0: Wow. Uh, what's next, man? What's 2021 bringing?
1: I mean, I- As I if anybody a, knows. I, I shot a pilot called Pinned. I actually, like, based on- Okay,
0: that, yeah, that's, yeah, right.
1: So I'm, I'm I'm really trying to get, sell that. You know, I, I I crowdsourced it. I almost got divorced because of it because I shot it in my house and the director, I didn't disagree, so the, like, we cast it with this hot ex-playmate or playmate as my girlfriend who breaks up with me. And my wife got upset that we were shooting it in my bed when she was in her panties. But, and she comes in, like, just giving birth, like, a month earlier. And she's like, You have a wife and kids. And I go, Not in the scene, I don't. And, and then, so that, so then she got a hotel for the weekend. That was a fucking disaster. Because she came in to get everyone coffee, and she walks in right. the house, and she says, Someone says, Quiet on the set, and it's our our house. So that was the, so anyway, Yeah. Yeah, anyway, so I, I, I like, want to sell that as a series because there's never been a wrestling comedy before. Right. Been comedy on everything. Every, right. every every genre. There's been hockey, basketball, football, baseball, soccer. Never wrestling. And uh, I think it's like like a Eastbound and Down meets Cobra Kai meets Bad News Bears. And I think it's a good time for it. Uh, so that's that. And then I also um, uh, want to sell. Like I sold my show Kamikaze Comedy. Uh, but then I I sold it to Fuel Network, and we shot a pilot, and then Fuel went under. Before the after buying the pilot, and making yeah. it, So then I got the rights back, and then I changed the show, made a different show, and sold it to a different network, um, which was uh, Esquire. And then Esquire went under, um, so now I have the rights back. Uh, so I want to sell that. And then um, I like booked a movie, uh, an indie film I'm shooting in like Michigan or in Chicago, and then uh, when I want to tour again. I was, I was actually supposed to do China um i oh I, wow I did a comedy show in wuhan china wow. I, uh, I went to wuhan that was actually one of the worst best shows They're, like stand-up comedy isn't a thing there they call it american talk show because you're american is that right it's a show right so they thought we were like a band no, like, i was gonna
0: say like how do you do comedy? i went to uh, shenzhen last year and it's just like i tried to go out and buy some uh like decongestion or whatever and i was just out of luck like i just couldn't communicate with anybody
1: well, if you're Jeff Ross or someone, you or you probably have like a translator, but, right? But the but the, the like the freaking bougie like the makeshift tour that I was on um, had none, and literally we're in Wuhan, and we're like, okay, we're a comic. They're like, no, but we have to give you a smoke machine, and we're like, but we don't want a smoke machine, like, but we have to give it to you. Okay, got <laughs> like, yeah, like a
0: fog <laughs> machine on stage.
1: Yeah, they. I swear, I, I'll send you the video. I go on stage. And then I just get fucking smoked out everywhere. You, you can't see me for like six minutes, and then like, the, like that. The crowd's laughing because like they think it's like they
0: think it's they, funny. The smoke. They're that.
1: Laughing at this, it's a very like the slapstick universal humor there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but luckily, there was a girl in there who was uh, she was actually like their whole thing is like WeChat, you know, like that's their thing called WeChat. It's like their Twitter, Facebook, right?
0: Right. Yeah. And,
1: and girls were making money at first, like you know, you you could, you could tip people on WeChat. So first Chinese girls were like making money where they were like stripping or something. And then the government banned that. Then they were eating bananas like slowly, like, and then they said you can't eat fruit slowly like this. So then it just became like, they were just filming their life. So this girl was filming me and I went out to like 500,000 people in her fucking network. Yeah. So, so uh, I think she made a lot of money that night. Um, right. Yeah.
0: Oh man. Uh, well, Nobody can say you haven't earned what you have right now and that, uh, you keep doing it, man. Cause you're a wheeler and dealer. And I love it. I love the hustle, uh, aspect of it. And I'm going to come see you when you come to Vegas, when we can gather again.
1: I'll, I'll be there. It's crazy. I know
0: you're, you're here. I can't believe they're open. Cause like, our,
1: it's like a third, it's like 27 people are allowed. On this yeah,
0: show. yeah. 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 Well, I'm going to get to you, but, uh, all the best. Happy holidays. Thank you for doing this. Um, we got to have like a roast, like an official UFC roast. And I would think yeah, yeah, we're would, working on
1: that. That was one of the things like we actually proposed.
0: Yeah. I figured uh, that's like a, that's a natural thing, right? I mean, a Dana yeah. white roast is obviously just a, a yeah. simple idea that would work for so many people, but
1: yeah, absolutely.
0: All right, man. Well, we'll see it. Thank you for doing this buddy. Happy holidays. Great to see you. Happy
1: Thank All you. I right. appreciate
0: it. There you have it folks. That's going to wrap it up. Our last interview of 2020. Adam Hunter on Fitz nation. I appreciate every one of you for listening for hitting the play button. If you want to subscribe and like it and review it, I always appreciate it. I always see the comments and I know there's some comments out there that I haven't gotten back to yet, but I always want to respond. So um, thanks for the kind words, everybody. And again, I hope you enjoyed that one different uh, different show there with a comedian and not a fighter, but certainly he's somebody that UFC fans uh, have heard of and, and can like. And uh, I got Calvin Cater, I think, lined up for an interview in a couple of weeks before he uh, heads over to Fight Island. And uh, fights against Max Holloway. As I said, next week, 2020 Fitzy awards. It's it's fun. It's uh, offbeat topics. I go into just things relating to my calls. So like shows that I worked, you know, the fighter of the year for the fights that I called. uh, But we do some fun stuff too. Hotel of the year, dessert of the year from my UFC travels, bar, coffee house from uh, different parts of the world. And obviously the travel was a bit limited this year but still have enough good memories and some fun stories to tell from 2020. So uh, that'll be next time. Thank you again for listening. And uh, again, very Merry Christmas to everybody who celebrates that very happy holidays. And I'll see you guys soon.